This is PhotoBizX episode number 528 and today we're focusing on stock photography and how you as a wedding portrait or commercial photographer can generate a real passive income by shooting specifically for a stock library. Our special guest is Claire Bonner and that interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here, host of the Photo Biz X podcast, where I interview guests from around the world to help you build a better photography business, even faster than going it alone. And I know you are going to love today's episode because it's a little different to the usual, plus it is a real way to diversify your income and generate a passive income, and perfect if you love photography. And uh, I know you're going to love the interview as well because I had a lot of fun with Claire. She is a wealth of knowledge because she actually owns a stock library. (laughs) Incredible. Anyway, we're going to get into that in just a minute. If you didn't catch last week's episode with Guillaume Lechat, make sure you get back and have a listen to that one, not only for his French accent, but because he shared so much about getting into the commercial side of advertising photography. It's a market that he moved to from wedding photography. He's pretty much Well, he appears to be shooting in the same way that he always has, but working for or on much bigger budget shoots, obviously larger clients, and he shares everything and anything that you'd want to know about getting into that market, including getting your first clients, what to charge, what to shoot, how you supply the files, who controls the licensing, and so, so much more. So get back and have a listen to that one with Guillaume Lechat. If you haven't heard it yet, I know you'll get a ton from that one. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Alrighty, we are going to jump into this interview with Claire in just a second. If you are hearing this announcement, it does mean you are listening to the free version of the podcast. Now, what that means is you won't hear the full interview today with Claire. I am saving a large portion of the second half for premium members only. The good news is if you want to learn more and hear the full interview from Claire or with Claire, you can do that for as little as $1 with a 30-day trial membership. There are more details about that over at photobizx.com forward slash try. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. I first became aware of today's guest while chatting over Messenger with photographer and premium member Caro Telfer, and she was talking about shooting for a stock library and how it was making her think differently about her photography business. And she said in those messages, I'm not quite making a living out of it, but it's given me a new option and changed the way I work. I'm a founding contributor since 2016 to the Stock Photo Library. Claire Bonner is the principal at Stock Photo and I think she'd be good as a guest on the podcast. So this is Caro still telling me in the messages. And she says, so far, I have about 5,000 images on the Stock Photo website. Until last year, which was a disaster health-wise for me, I'd been adding an average of 1,000 new photos each year. And last year, my gross sales came to just under $20,000. Considering that when I first signed up, I was hoping to cover my weekly coffee spend, it has exceeded my expectations. 
So that was enough for me. I was 100% keen to learn more and I am wrapped to say that I have Claire with us now. Claire, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. Oh, it's a pleasure. Like, I know about stock photo libraries a little bit. I don't know how much I know. How did you get into it? Yeah, so I didn't know the business side of stock libraries before I got into it either because my background is in graphic design and I still am a graphic designer. I, I still operate a graphic design studio called Boheme in Sydney. And so I was coming at it from a buyer's perspective and I saw the gap in the market and was frustrated as a graphic designer looking for Australian stock content and thought, gosh, like this is something that needs to be addressed. So, yeah. So when you say gap in the market and then you said something about Australian images, so you were looking specifically for Australian images and couldn't find them for your graphic design jobs. Yeah, that's right. So I was using the international stock photo libraries to look for images for my clients and they were really wanting to tell their stories and be authentic and have sort of a local feel. And I was really struggling to find images that represented the brands that I was working for. So then, yeah, I just thought, gosh, it's just time to have an offering for graphic designers like me and for Australian brands to be able to access this kind of content. Right. So when does a client of yours decide to hire a photographer or use stock photography? Like, is there a clear cut reason why they would go with one over the other? Yeah. So sometimes for the larger brands, it's time constraints. And during the pandemic, when photo shoots were being cancelled, they were buying images because they couldn't operate the shoots. Um, there are all kinds of reasons. We have sold images to big Australian brands. We've got Qantas, we've got Bupa, we've got the Perth Mint bought an image of a um, emu. <laughs> so, you know, like I just think that those sorts of projects, they're not going to go out and just shoot an emu. If, if it's available online, they'll buy it. And that was a that was a great license day, that one, because it was a product products for resale license, which is one of the higher price points for us. Woolworths, we sold an image of a pavlova, you know, and it just saves those customers. There's, there's a lot involved in those big photo shoots. Absolutely. So w what we share today will be based around you and your business and your experiences, but do you think or do you feel that it would be applicable or is it the same for a listener, say, in the US or in the UK or Canada? Yeah, yeah, for sure. We do only accept photographers who are located in Australia shooting Australian content for Australian customers. But there are, it's, it's interesting since, since starting the library, I've suddenly found myself as part of the stock photo library managers community. And like, I've become friends with the guy who runs Pak stock photo in Pakistan. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, like there are sort of, I guess different photo libraries have different focuses on their content too. Like some photo libraries have more of a global focus, but they want to come across as sort of more artistic or, you know, there are all kinds of sub photo libraries. We've got a dental stock photo library as part of our collection. So, wow, yeah. So you, you said you only accept photos from Australian photographers shooting in Australia. So why wouldn't you accept photos from, say, an American photographer who's here on holidays who gets an incredible photo of an emu, for example? Like, Why wouldn't you take that into your library? 
Yeah, that's a good question. It's more because, well, essentially this is still my side hustle, right? So I'm a graphic designer and I'm hoping that this at some stage will become my main gig, but I have to be a little bit selective on how I what I put my time and resources into. So look, if it's someone who's been here and has extensively shot, you know, around the country and has a pretty good collection, then it's like I would like to bring them on. But if it's just one or two images, bring them on board probably wouldn't be worth anyone's time. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were going to say tax reasons and accounting and all those kind of things, but it's just. Yeah. We can sort of work around that if the images are suitable for the collection, but it's more sort of, you know, we're a community and we've got a Facebook group and the photographers are sort of, not sort of, very well connected with each other. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so tell me, oh, there's so many questions that I know I want to get through. <laughs> but so tell me, first of all, what's in it for the photographer? I mean, I'm guessing there's obviously a monetary reward obviously, from what Caro told me. Yeah, for sure. So, like, why would a photographer submit their photos to a stock library? Yeah, so passive income is like... I don't know. I think it's super lucrative. It's a real shift, I think. So as a graphic designer, and I've become a photographer since starting the library, that it's very much a service-based business. So, you know, a client will come and ask for you to perform a series of tasks and then you charge for those tasks. But stock photography is product based. So you are shooting what you think a customer will need and you're very much getting into the shoes of the customer and seeing what their pain points are and then sticking it up online and just seeing what sells. So there needs to be some strategy in it, like anyone who's selling any kind of product online. Um, so for me as a photographer now, I have particular goals. Like if I'm doing a shoot, I need to make sure that it's like, that it's going to be content that I feel fairly sure will sell. And I'm, I'm pretty confident that for most of the shoots that I do now, I'm going to make $500 a year. Right. So, okay. So tell me then how much do I get paid if I get into, let's say into your stock library, how much do I get paid? Okay. So it totally depends what you're shooting and what you're contributing. And I'm constantly communicating with my photographers what customers are looking for. Um, And so I think probably a good aim is to be making $2.50 to $5 per image that's in your collection per year. So that seems like a really low number, (laughs) but once you've done the work and, you know, if you've got, say, 1,000 images in your collection, then there's a good chance you're going to be making $5,000 passive income each year. So if I've got 2,000 images in my collection, I'm making close to $12,000 a year. And if I stopped shooting tomorrow and just focused on growing the business and supporting all the other photographers, that money would continue to come in. Whereas when you compare it to a service-based model, you get the brief, you do the shoot, you get paid, that's done. You generally don't continue to get paid. Got it. Okay. So that $2.50 to $5 per image, is that a percentage of what a client has paid you to use the photo or is that just a standard flat fee? Sure. Okay. So um, yeah, sorry, let's just take it back to how our 
front end website is set up. So we've got different licenses. The basic licenses range from currently $10 to $110 and photographers get 50% of every image that's licensed. So if a customer comes along and buys an extra large image for $110, the photographer gets $55 that day. Got it. Okay. So if the Australian Mint comes to you and wants that photo of the emu, I imagine they're going to take out a, uh, what is it called, a bigger license or a longer lasting license for that photo? Yes, that's the products for resale license. And that one is, I believe it's $500. And the photographers get 75% of those extended licenses. So there are three different extended licenses. There's products for resale with there's multi-C or multi-use. So that's when an asset is licensed and then sits on like a server for a larger organization for different people to handle. And then there's unlimited print. So the basic license, you get to use that asset for print up to 100,000 copies, but then if it's circulating more widely than that, then there's an extra license there as well. Okay, so you look after all that. All I do is upload photos that I've taken into the library as I take them. Correct. Yeah, it's pretty easy. And then besides taking the photo and uploading it, you also need to add metadata. So that's keywords and titles, and then you also need to attach your model releases. So there's a little bit of extra work that goes in after the photos are uploaded. Okay. So with the metadata, is it the more keywords that I use, the more likelihood that my photo is going to be found and used, or do you give strict guidelines on how to do that metadata? Yeah, not necessarily more is better. We've got guidelines. Yeah. And you do get quick (laughs) at it at first. It's pretty like, yeah, it can get pretty boring, (laughs) but um, I outsource a bit of that. And, you know, sort of as a team, my mum helps me actually. (laughs) She's a school teacher and doesn't mind sitting down with a cup of tea and doing some keyword entry. So nice. Well, I know, I know software like uh, photo mechanic makes it pretty easy as well to, to do batch processing for metadata. Yeah. And yeah. And our system will recognize light room metadata that's input prior to upload so there are quicker ways of getting it in okay and then i imagine you need high-res photos is there a specific size that like as a minimum that you must have yes i think it's 7.2 mega what do no megapixels i always get confused between those so that means that we will accept images that have been shot on a phone Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And then obviously it's going to be limited to where that can be used by someone who buys it. So they'll be looking at that when they buy it. Yeah. So that will only come through then as a large size will be the maximum that's available on the library. All right. So it's pretty easy. So, and then with the model release, do you supply those? Yep. We send those out to the photographers. They can get their own model release done too, just so long as it meets our requirements and not just our requirements, but also... Adobe stock. So we're partnering with Adobe now and have been probably for the last three years or so. And their requirements, like we have to make sure that we meet those as well. Right. Okay. Is there any rules or anything to stop me or am I discouraged to upload my photos to say your stock library and then another stock library or does someone have to have specific rights? All excellent questions. (laughs) So we do try to incentivize photographers to keep their work exclusive with us. And so if, like I said before, they generally would get 50% 
every time an image is licensed, but if they're not exclusive with us, they only get 25%. Right. Okay. Got it. So they get a, yeah. And, and they, our partnership with Adobe, we only send work to Adobe that is exclusive with our library. So they then don't get their content sent through to Adobe. Okay. So that's a big benefit for me if you're partnering with them because there's more chance of my photos being used. Correct. Right. Yeah. You get to double dip. Yeah. Got it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So tell me what's the recourse, if any, and I know you said that the clients have to, or our clients would have to sign a model release. Well, let's say I do a family photo shoot and I've got some photos that I feel will be suitable for the stock library. The family signs a model release and then all of a sudden they're I don't know, they see their photos pop up in an insurance brochure or on a billboard. Mm-hmm. Have they got any recourse? Like, am I going to cop any flack for that? Or am I 100% protected by that model release? Yeah, you are protected by that model release. And, you know, like, it's one thing to ask someone to sign a release, but I generally, when I'm shooting, I try to explain, you know, this photo will be available online. The types of customers are these, you know, if you have any concerns, please make sure you contact me. And yeah, there have been some occasions when we've taken images down just because someone's changed their mind. Is that before they've been sold or unsold? After, and then if there's any concerns, like there's been a couple of occasions when we've then contacted the customer who's licensed the image and said, look, you know, If it's not too much trouble for the next print run, can you change images? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So there's a bit of a management issue there for me. Like it's a bit more extra time, but I just want to make sure that everyone feels comfortable. Right. Yeah, (laughs) fair enough. So in your experience, let's say you're photographing a friend's family and you think, oh, this would be great for the library. You talk to them about the model release. You explain what could happen. They sign it. Or before they sign it, I imagine they're thinking, oh, Claire, you're going to get rich off our photos here. Like, do we get a cut? (laughs) Do you face those kind of questions? Yeah, I think, um, like, when I started the library, I just went blindly in with all my friends and I was asking just everyone, could I take their picture? And I didn't realise, actually, that not everyone wants their picture taken or used in a photo library. So apparently that is the case. But at the same time, Actually, there's a lot of people who really like the idea of, you know, getting paid and getting free images of their family for a shoot. So usually when we run a shoot, we'll pay the people who are involved, but then we also give them a copy of the images. So if it's a family, they get a free family shoot. Or if it's a business, you know, they can use that content for their business. So that can be quite lucrative. And then I don't know. I did a shoot like in an office one time and the guy was like, oh, can you make sure that you push this image through? Because I told my wife I'd be on the front of the Qantas magazine, (laughs) you know? So like if someone's not comfortable having their, being involved, then I just back right. Okay. So they're not getting a cut or anything like that. No, sorry. Back to that. Yes. So they do not get a cut. They get paid. They sign the release. That's done and dusted. We don't make millions, you know, Um, you know, as I said, it's still my side hustle. Yeah. I just, I think it's proportion. It's like the amount that they get paid. It's a good proportion to what I get paid in the end. Um, We do have a photographer who tells them his models. I'll pay you each time I sell a license but I think it takes up more time and it's harder to track. And yeah, that sounds bit. like a nightmare, especially if you're yeah. talking two fifty to five dollars potentially. Well, it would be a percentage of that fifty-five dollars. Oh, okay, yes, okay. that one sale, you know. So they don't. Yep. Yeah, that's just 
That two fifty to five dollars is including all the images that I'm not selling that year. Oh, okay. So if I upload a thousand images, only ten might get used. Yeah, that's right. But I'm still sure that I will make on average across the whole amount that I've uploaded. Then if I've got two thousand images in the library, I'm gonna make at least ten thousand each year. Right. Okay. Yeah. Just last thing on the model releases, I'm looking at, say, Caro Telfer's library here inside your stock photo library. I'm looking at one specific photo. There's a lady sitting in a wheelchair and there's another lady that she's talking to that is slightly out of focus. She's slightly blurry because the focus is on the lady in the wheelchair. Yeah. She's not 100% recognisable, but I reckon she would know that it's her. Yeah. Does she have to sign a model release? Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. Yep. Always. Yeah. And I think, you know, like sometimes we've had photographers take pictures and upload pictures of people from the back that may not be recognizable, but it's the person in the shot that's making the image and it's of them really. So I just don't think it's worth taking, you know, for all the people that are happy to sign a release, I just, I knock those back. Um, yeah, it's just not whether. Sometimes if it's a big crowd on a beach and everyone's out of focus and in the far distance, that's different. Right, okay. Yeah. It's a scene. That's a landscape shot. Okay, so let me just pick another random one here from Caro's mm-hmm. profile. There's a kid, goalkeeper, playing soccer. So you can see the net's in focus. The back of the kid is clearly in focus, but you've got no idea who this kid is and everyone else on the field is out of focus. Like would that kid need to or his parents have to sign a model release? I think especially for children, yes, I, I do. I'm becoming more strict, I think, with it. Like in the early days, I sort of thought, oh, you couldn't really tell who that kid is. But I would just hate to get that phone call from the parent who said, no, I know that's my kid. And, I, you know, no, no. <laughs> I just think yeah, there's just easier ways to make money like than to to take, in, take content, you know, with the releases. Yeah. Yeah. Now, again, looking at Caro's library of images they're all color they're all beautiful color there's no post-processing that i can really see there's not not strong vignettes there's nothing in black and white is that part of your guidelines or is that just that right yes it is so tell me what are they because i'm coming at it from a graphic designer's perspective and i want to be able to buy the image in its most natural air quotes like form so of course there is a little bit of post that happens because you know you've got to have the colors looking right but like if the image has already been switched to black and white and I need a color version for my client, you know, it's you licensing the image for the designer um, or for the end client to be able to manipulate it in a way that works for their brand. And sometimes that can be quite radical. Right. So are you then, I guess part of that model release is allowing the client, the future client or owner of that image to modify it. They can make it black and white. They can retouch it. They can take away pimples or add pimples. I can. Yep. Wow. Okay. So that's part of that model release. Yep. Yep. You're giving them the, I mean, we do have pretty strict terms and conditions for our then clients. They don't get to do just do anything. If a person is represented in a sort of a negative way that goes against our terms and management of that comprises of a, you know, fairly decent part of our time. We often like when, if a customer has purchased, say, a series of images of like, let's say some Australian teenagers that look a little bit depressed, (laughs) like they're not smiling in the images, we will contact them and say, just ask them what they're using it for and are they representing these people as if their stories about these kids being homeless, you know, like that's not 
putting them in a in a positive light. And so we want to make sure that we've got the permission from the photographer and from the model that they're okay with having that person represented in that way. It doesn't happen very often, but it's just something that we try to be across because I don't know, I think that it's fair. You know, it's it's helps the photographers to feel a bit more confident in uploading to our library and helps with the models and it's just the right thing to do. Yeah. So good. Okay, let's say I'm fully in love with this idea. I want to start submitting. What do I do? How do I get in with, say, with you? Yep. So we've got a photographer application form on our site. So you just scroll to the bottom of our site, which is ozstockphoto.com.au. In the footer, it says calling photographers, and there's a very short, easy form. We just want to see like what you're interested in uploading to the library. So there might not be the actual shots, but... Like we do have some photographers who have applied and we can see that they're very talented, but they are not in a position to shoot for the library really. So any applications, yeah, like we review them every probably about three or four times a year. We'll do an onboarding, like we'll take on, we'll just probably get, probably get about two or three applications per week. Hopefully a few extra after this podcast episode is out. <laughs> um, and then we probably accept maybe you know one or two out of every 10 people who apply. So why would you not accept someone? Like you said, they might have a great portfolio, but they might not be in a position to shoot. What do you mean by that? So they might be, you know, like a wedding photographer who like, we'll ask them, we'll say, look, we love your images. What's your plan for the library? What what are you what are you intending to shoot? You know, and then sometimes like we might not hear back from them again after that, <laughs> and sort of that answers the question. You know, like how committed are they to being part of our community? And that's fine. I get that. Like you know, it does. It is a little bit of a time commitment. It's as big or as little as you make it. Really, you know, like we've got quite a few photographers who have less than a hundred images in their portfolios and still make a pretty decent income. There's one photographer who makes an average of $20 per shot in her library and she's only got like 100 images, you know, per year. So that's that's not bad. Still two grand, still nice. Yeah, I know. So I think she's even got like 50, not very many images, but they're just every single one of them is really lovely and our customers love them. Let me just ask you, you said something about wedding photographers. So if I was a wedding photographer, surely there's clients of yours that want Aussie wedding photos. Oh, yeah. Mm. Not not a great deal. I don't think I've sold very many wedding photos. You got to think about it as a product, not a service anymore. So, what are your customers who you're marketing to via the Ozstock photo platform? What are they looking for? So, I've always got a list of subject matters that are still gaps in our library. Like, for example, at the moment, I'm wanting more construction. So, if there are any photographers out there that are that whose focus is on construction or industry engineering i'd love to get more of that content yeah i don't think there's a great demand for wedding photos but you might be like we've got a wedding photographer who's who charges 20 grand per wedding that she shoots she loves being part of the library because it's that passive income element and she has her old stock photo income go to a separate bank account that she calls her happy spend account (laughs) and she uses it just to like take friends out for dinner or you know like just do lovely things that she doesn't have to necessarily provide account for (laughs) so 
So that's really nice. And she enjoys it. You know, it takes her away from her, um, the focus that her business is otherwise. So it's just a bit of a change for her. But just on, on you know, like the sorts of portfolios that we tend not to feel confident will be relevant for the library, there are sometimes photographers will show us their portfolio and it's just in, it's in, it's, it's entirely, they might have focus on macro photography and there's a lot of butterflies, you know, it's just, again, it comes back to what are our customers looking for? And it's just not butterflies and even Australian, you know, plants and animals. A lot of the time, it's just not honestly, like I had a look just before we chatted the last 30 images that we sold, 28 of them were of people. So it's really that people and lifestyles and storytelling images. That's what we're in need of and that's what people are looking for okay so so let's say you need more construction photos as an example then in your guidelines would you be saying we need workers in construction situations or are you looking for actual build like is it very clear of what you're after so i've got a higher chance of getting my photos purchased sorry so you're saying well i can take a photo of a construction site with no or you know just some workers in the background or doing their thing or no workers or i could I could have a photo of a worker in a high vis vest, yeah. you know, operating a concrete pump on a construction site. Like that's way that's way different to the building. Yes, it is. That's right. And I find that the stock photographers who do well in our library are the ones that are shooting a great range of types of shots within their, you know, that one shoot. So let's say it is a construction site, you'll get the close up the hands like fixing the knob and then you'll get a wider shot of the guy doing his or the girl doing her work and then you'll get them looking at the camera, talking to each other, the portrait, the wider shot with the copy space on the side, then you'll get like a really, really wide shot of the whole scene. So it's having that variety puts you in a better position of selling more. Right. So see the, the photos that you just described, they are exactly the same photos that I would take if I was commissioned by the construction company or whoever it was yeah. to make photos for their site. So is it okay? Or do you see examples of say a photographer being commissioned to do a shoot for a commercial client and then re-licensing, if that's the right term, the images to use in your library? Premium members of PhotoBiz Exposed hear more of the best photography business strategies from every guest. Absolutely. I mean, I love the fact that this is a true passive income once you have some stock in the library. Mm-hmm. And then that incentives, it's almost like it reminds me a little bit of compound interest where you start to see a little bit, then you start <laughs> keep adding to it, keep adding to it, and then it just gets oh, for sure. growing and, uh, exponentially if you keep adding to it. I know. Exactly. Now that I'm shooting for the library, it's addictive. <laughs> I was out with my kids all day the other day, didn't do an ounce of work. And I came home and I was like, oh, I've just made $200, you know, and I don't have to then package anything up and send it off to Australia Post. There's no extra work to be done. The job's done. They just, the customer has the asset, they've downloaded it and you're set to pop. Just wait for the money to land in your account. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think we're onto a winner. <laughs> Fantastic. I've got one last question to ask you for overseas photographers, but before that, where is the best place for the Aussie photographers and those shooting in Australia regularly? Where should we go to learn more, get registered and sign up? Yeah. So the the footer of our website, calling photographers, there's a form there. If people 
who are listening to this episode, if they want to mention that they found out about us through this, I'll fast track them. So there won't be too much waiting. I'll just make sure that, you know, we look at those portfolios sooner rather than later. Unreal. Awesome. Thanks, Claire. I'll add links to that, but it's uh, oddstockphoto.com.au. And for, look, Claire, just to finish, for the overseas listener, like I know we've talked specifically about your business and the Oddstock Photo Library. Do you expect that, say, someone in Canada or the US, will they have local-based stock libraries they should look into rather than just going for one of the big libraries? Yeah, I'm not sure. Should I be mentioning all my competitors' names? Are they competitors? (laughs) Well, in some regards, yes, because their focus is different and it's not necessarily on, you know, the local Canadian market, not like ours is. They might just be based on that. But yes, there's lots. I would say Adobe Stock just because they're our partners and I have had a really great experience with them that I think they're, they've got a great upload system. I'm really happy partnering with them, but there's some big names out there. It wouldn't be hard to find. Okay. So for the listener that's overseas that wants to get started in stock, do some Googling, yep. have a look around and see if you can find someone as lovely as Claire to, to partner with and, and work <laughs> with. Uh, you sound amazing, Claire. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's one more thing I was going to ask you just to finish off, and I can't remember what it was now. Um, it's totally eluded me. I'm going to think of it as soon as we stop the call. But look, Claire, massive thanks for coming on, for sharing everything you have. You've been amazing. I can't see why a photographer wouldn't want to get started in stock. Oh, look, you know what? Let me just ask you quickly. Is it likely, let's say I wanted to get started in stock today, is it likely that I would have the right photos in my uh, oh, repertoire yeah. already, or would I just have to start shooting from scratch? Yeah, great question. I haven't seen your library, so I don't know. (laughs) Because half the time, the photographers that we do take on board, yes, they've got, they might be like, they might have a drone and there'll be aerial photographers and there's tons of shots that were just, they're ready to go. Just maybe a few logos to take out and then they're good to go. But then some other photographers who have their focus has been commercial or wedding and they don't have releases and that's all they've got, then certainly, yes, you would need to intentionally book yourself in or have us book you into a couple of shoots and then that way. I mean, that's a really great way to build content is just to shoot for the library. Got it. Okay. So, and last one, I promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's all right. You've got an Instagram account as well. So, and the photos are obviously beautiful because someone's curating that feed. Is that a good place to get ideas from? Is that more for your your clients, your buyers, or is that for photographers? Who's this for? Okay. Yeah. So the Instagram feed, I don't know. I'm trying to be sort of in that like, Instagram vein a little bit more. So the shots that sell um, do have a bit more of a commercial bent that probably wouldn't appeal so much to the social media scrolling, if you know what I mean. Like the the Instagram feed, the focus is more on just the beauty of Australia. It's a gorgeous feed. Like I can't. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I have a dear friend who helps me with it now because I've needed to sort of you know, get a bit of help from a few different people and she loves doing it and I love her doing it. So thank you. Uh, yeah, I love the way she's curated the colours of your feed. Really, it's beautiful the way it's been done. Thank you. Yeah, I just wanted that Instagram feed that like the brief was just it needed to be a joy to look at and look through and be part of. So yeah, I think it's that. It is, it is. 
Claire, look, I'll let you go. Amazing. I can't wait to share this with listeners. Massive thanks to Caro Telfer for putting us in touch with you. Thank you, Caro. We love you. (laughs) And thank you. Thank you again, Claire, for coming on and sharing everything you have. Thanks so much, Andrew. It's been great. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Claire as much as I did. Claire, if you are listening, again, thank you so much for sharing everything you did, for making it such a fun interview and, uh, again, for opening up about the intricacies of getting access to and working with a stock library. For you, the listener, I do hope there were a ton of takeaways from what Claire had to share. Is your interest peaked? Is this something that you would consider supplying photos to a stock library to build a passive income over a period of years? I'd love to hear your thoughts on what Claire had to share. If you do have any follow-up questions, I've got links to anything and everything that Claire mentioned in the show notes for today's episode. So you can reach out to her directly through those links. There's also some examples of the stock library work that she supplies and attracts. And you'll also find a comments area at the very bottom of the show notes page. All that is at photobizx.com forward slash 528. And of course, if you are a premium member, I'll be adding Claire into the members Facebook group. So you'll have easy access to her there. If you do have a follow-up question or if you just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing what you did. And you'll also be happy to know, I think you will be because I certainly was or am, that as a follow-up to this week's episode with Claire, I've asked Caro to come on for next week's episode to share more about her side of the story and supplying stock photography to a stock library, how she goes about it, the money that she's generating from the stock library photography and how it's impacted her life. So look out for that one in next week's episode with Caro Telfer. Alrighty, that is going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. Until next week, I will chat to you on email. I'll see you inside the members Facebook group if you are a premium member. Until then, stay safe, healthy, and well, and I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment, and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. Hey, if you're still listening, it's Andrew still here, obviously, and uh, I'm saving this for premium members. I'm just curious to get your thoughts. I'm I'm still away recording the intro and outro for this episode. Uh, I'm recording interviews while I'm away. I'm, I'm working while I'm away on this trip. You know that I'm away in Europe. I've been talking about it for a little while now. I'm in, uh, in Slovenia at the moment, not far from a little place called Lake Bled, and it's absolutely incredible. But what I am curious to know is, I feel really weird talking about where I am, what I'm doing, because it feels like, well, it doesn't feel like I'm, you know, making a big thing or rubbing rubbing in the fact that I'm away uh, and working, but I'm worried that it comes across like that, even though it doesn't feel like that to me. So what I'm curious about, with your photography business, you have social media pages, you share things with your clients, you have an email list. Do you share things like that with your clients? The fact that you're away on a holiday, the fact that you're going on holiday, do you share things while you're away on holidays? Do you share photos and stories of your trips? Or do you feel like that side of your life should be totally separate from the business side of your life? Because, I mean, really, we get told 
by the business experts that we should be putting ourselves into into our business. Uh, we should be our business. We are our own brand. And if that's the case, you know, we should be sharing our lives. But I'm, I'm, I know, and I have, uh, I guess, lines in the sand where, you know, I think, okay, I don't want to be sharing that with everyone. That's 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 something that's personal. It doesn't need to be shared. But what about what about holidays? What about trips? What about things going on in your personal life? Where do you draw the line? How much do you share? When does it feel like mm, I shouldn't be sharing that? It feels like I'm showing off. Or hey, I should be proud of the fact that I'm away enjoying my life, having a holiday. Where do you draw the line with what you share with your clients? I am genuinely curious to know how you feel about what I've shared or am sharing and and how far do you go with what you share with your clients. I really would love to know. Uh, If you do have a strong thought on this, let's kick off the conversation there inside the members' Facebook group or you can shoot me an email. It's andrew at photobizx.com or even shoot me a PM, whatever you like, because if you are a premium member, we are friends on Facebook as well because uh, we had to be friends for me to add you to the members' Facebook group. So, yeah, you can reach out via PM or DM if you like, uh, if that's your preference. Anyway, either way, I'd just love to know your thoughts. Again, have a great week, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.